you're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Today is the first part of our new series, and we're starting it called Peacemakers. This is going to be our our May series, and we're going to talk about this subject throughout the month. I've been praying for our country. I've been praying for our community. I've been praying for our place. What is our place? What is our role as a church, as a community, as, as believers in all that's going on in the world? And I feel like there's never been a greater opportunity for you and I to share the love and the hope and the grace of God with people than right now. I feel like we are living in a time in history where we have the best opportunity to just reach to people and sow seeds into their hearts, to influence them, to influence the culture. I think that our country is ready for revival. I really do. And, and that fires me up because... It's about, it, it, it's, it's you and I. It's on us. And I really think that. Uh, here's why I think that. Because we are in a very unique time in history. We, in a, we are in a very unique moment in our history. The economy is good. People have jobs and opportunity for growth. There are things happening right now that have never happened before in technology. Life expectancy is at the highest it's ever been in more modern history. There's a lot of good things happening in the world. Just technology, we, are, we have opportunity to be connected more than ever before. I mean, my daughters, they can talk to their cousins all the way in Texas and see them anytime they want. I mean, anytime they want. I can see my parents who live 5,000 miles away anytime I want. All I need to do is pick up this little computer that's in my pocket and press a button. In fact, you and I, if you have that device, you can talk to any person or see any person around the world. All you need is their number. We have more opportunity than ever to be connected. Yet, yet, there is division, there's turmoil, there's disconnection, there are factions, there are groups, there's protest everywhere. It seems like... At the time where we have the most opportunity to understand and be together and owe each other and value each other, there's division. And that's why I think that we have a great opportunity. I don't know about you, but I am tired of all that. I'm tired of the headlines. I'm tired of everything, all debating. I'm I'm tired of the back and forth. I'm tired of people being defined by things that on, on, on outer qualities. I'm tired of that. And at the same time, that fires me up because as a follower of Jesus, as, as someone who believes in the redeeming love of Jesus Christ, I, I believe that we have the answer. There's nobody else with the answer. It's you and I. We are it. We are called to be peacemakers. We are the ones called to change The world. We are the ones called to see love rise, to see hope rise. We are the ones called to go into, walk into a situation of division, a situation of of faction, and, and, and change that conversation 
and bring the announcement that was made when Jesus was born. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. You and I are called for that. You know, there's a ministry called the Ministry of Reconciliation. And we are the ones in charge of that. You can't legislate it. See, we can't legislate peace. We can't hope for Congress to come up with a plan for peace. They can only go so far. We can't incarcerate our way to peace. This country would need about 330 million cells. Because every one of us, at times, we need to lock ourselves up. Just, I got it. I'll do it myself. You don't have to do it. I'll, I'll, I'll put myself in timeout. See, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about an agenda of any specific party. This is not a talk on politics or, 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 or party lines. This is a talk about the hope that, that restores the world, the, the love that can restore the world, that the solution for every division and turmoil in our communities. And that's always been God's desire that we live in peace. It's always been God's desire that you and I live in peace in our communities. In fact, in the scripture, it goes all the way back to Leviticus. There's a passage in Leviticus 26, verse 6, that says, I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid, and, you will remove, and I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. That was God's promise for the people of Israel. And as I mentioned, when Jesus was born... The angels sang, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. It's always been God's desire to bring peace to you and I, to us. So in this series, we're going to talk about just that. We're going to focus on that subject. And we're dividing it in four parts. And I'm going to start with the end right now, telling you what we're going to do on week four. On week four, we're going to talk about peace in our communities. Why is it necessary for us to be a voice of peace? What is our place? And it's going to be great. And you got to be here for that. We're going to talk about the best ways to promote peace right here in Fairfield County and Westchester County. But we can't start with that because you can't have peace in our communities if you don't have peace at home. So on the third week, we're going to talk about peace at home. And for some of you, home is not where you live because you might live alone. Home is not where you spend your nights, home is where your family lives. That's what we mean when we say home. Your family relationships or family-like relationships. The people that are closest to you. you got to have peace in that environment with those people, in those relationships. So on the third week, we're going to talk about that. How to have peace at home in our relationships. But you can't have peace at home if you don't have peace with yourself. If you don't have peace in your heart. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. So you got to be back for that. And this is one of my, my goals for next week. It's not the only thing in the message, but one of my goals for next week is that you may never again wish to be somebody else. If you've ever looked at yourself, at your life, and thought, man, I wish I was more like that, or I wish I was more like this. Man, I wish I wasn't this. And, or you looked at your past and all the regret and the confusion and the things that have happened. Next week, one of my goals... When I share this message, it's for you to, you know what, embrace your life, take the good and the bad, offer it up to God, and see Him redeem every single part of your life for good. So that you can look at yourself and say, I am called, I am redeemed, I am, I am an agent of change. Because that's what you are. So you got to come back for that. All right? But you cannot have peace with yourself 
before having peace with God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The very core fundamental element of peace. Where everything begins. Where all the turmoil begins. When we look back in the scriptures, we see that it, came, it started when peace with God was affected. When, when mankind grew apart from God. So I want to talk about that today. This is where we're going to start. Peace with God. Now, if you're not a God person... Uh, or a church person, there, there is, there is a, 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 nowadays there is this mentality, this idea that, that God is, is, is in this spiritual box. Whatever you do concerning God must belong in this spiritual box. Like, like God is a thing that you would do for our well-being. Right? Like, like God is, is an item on, on the list of our self-care. And so, like, if, if you have things that you do for your self-care, you, you go through the list, right? You go to the gym. You go to hot sauna. You go grab a coffee at Humboldt. Huh? Come on now. And then, God. It's not like that. And by the way, I, I love celebrating the businesses that God have, has uh, brought forth through this community here. Yes. I don't do it to promote it. I don't do it to promote it. I do it to celebrate the lives that had the faith to, to step into that, that, that unknown and say, you know what? I'm going to believe in the vision and the thing that God placed in my heart to see other people's lives get better, to create environments and, and, and things where they can get better. LK2418, am I right? That's Dan's contractor company that he started too. So if you have a seed in your heart, just a side note here, 1428, sorry. Wrong scripture. <laughs> Wrong scripture. <laughs> know your Bible. Come on now. <laughs> if, you have, if you have a, a, a seed in your heart, a desire to start a business, and you're on the fence, talk to these guys. Talk to Jessica, Peter. Talk to Don. Talk to Dan. These are the pioneers of this community. People who had a vision in their hearts and said, you know what? We're going to step out in faith because we believe God is in this thing. Have a conversation with them. Buy them lunch. They've invested a lot of money in their businesses, so, you know, feed them. All right? Go, go pick their brain. <laughs> but don't look at God in that way. I, and by the way, I share that list with you because that's my list. <laughs> that's what I do. That's Alini's list, too. That's what we do. We, we go to the gym, we go to Hosanna, and we go to Humboldt Coffee. And now things are, uh, <laughs> now that things are war warming up a little bit, maybe I'll, you know, go to the driving range if I have time. I will list some of you. But don't do that. Don't listen to this message with those filters on. Don't listen to this message thinking, oh, God, God is one of those things in my list where I got I to gotta do, do my thing with God every day, you know, and then I unplug from that because it's just, it's just for my spiritual thing. God, God is more than that. God is much more like the air that you breathe than he is like yoga. Okay. God is much more like the food that you eat than he is therapy. You know, you can't live without air. Air is not optional. And that's, that's what God is to our life. That's what God is to our spirit. If there's no God in your life, your spirit is dead. So you got to know that every single day, every single day, you need to breathe. You got to breathe. And that's what God is. You got to breathe. Let's just take a deep breath right now. Let's do it. 
How good does that feel, huh? Especially if someone is wearing some good colognes next to you. <laughs> That's great. You got to breathe. And God is that breath for your soul, for your spirit, for your mind. And that's how God is actually described in Scripture. The words to describe God as Spirit or Holy Spirit come from the word pneuma in the New Testament. And that word means exactly that, air. It means air. It means breath. And according to Genesis, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what brought you to life. It was the breath of God that brought you to life. When God breathed out His life and His life came into your nostrils... That's when you gain consciousness. That's when you came to be. Now, I know that Genesis uh, uh, suffers, the story in, in Genesis suffers some undue scrutiny. I think it's undue. Because people take some scientific facts and they weigh against the story of Genesis in a very simplistic approach. Very apples to apples approach. Like, I've, I've heard, you know, people ask me things like, I'm not kidding, like, so did Adam have a belly button? And this is not an old question. My dad was asked this question when he was in seminary uh, in the 70s. He actually told me that he spent over two hours debating and arguing in seminary to find out whether Adam had a belly button. Another question is, oh, do you believe that the earth was made in seven days? Seven days, God made all this. Is that possible? Well, there's two things about that. First is that I do believe that God made the earth in seven days, seven God days. Because, you know, the sun and the moon weren't even created in day three or four or, know your Bible, right? One of those days. <laughs> Light was created in the first day, but the sun and the stars, I think it was the fourth day, I believe. So, when God made it, you know, he made it the way that he made it. And I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty much sure that all of them agree that time is relative. So if you want to discuss in those terms, it, it, you can't, honestly, this is, a, this is how I feel about it. It is a, a complete waste of time, a colossal waste of time to try to discuss God in terms of possibility. Because possibility is a human condition. Possibility is a thing, uh, it's, it, it's, it, possibility itself is a limitation of created things. And only gods that were created by the human mind, only gods that were created by human hands are bound by possibility. Our God lives outside the impossible. Possibility it doesn't, doesn't limit Him. And the God of the Genesis is the immovable mover that the philosophers talked about. He is the first cause, the cause without cause. He's the one that came, that created everything, that made everything happen. He is and exists outside time, space, and matter. So before you and I existed, He is. Before plants and animals existed, He is. Before the waters and the sea and the fish existed, He is. Before the heavens and the earth and everything in it, He is. Before the cosmos, the planets, the stars, the moon, and everything that we can see, He is. Before the Big Bang, He is. He is. He was. And He is to come. And this is the God that formed you. This is the God that breathed His life into you. This is the God that gave you consciousness. It's from this God that we came to be. And the story of creation, you will notice this. 
That before, after God created the most elementary things, light, earth, water, he commanded things to come out of those things. So out of the land, let, 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 come veg, let the land bring forth vegetation. Let the land bring forth animals and creatures for the land. Let the waters bring forth fish. Let the waters bring forth bird. The birds in the air. But when it came to you, when he came to you, he didn't command anything else to bring you forth. This is what we learned from the scripture. Then God said, Genesis 1 verse 26, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Next chapter, verse uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed out into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Listen, for everything else, it was let there be. Let there be. Let there be. Let the waters bring forth. Let land bring forth. But when it came to you and I, is let us make. He made you, he formed you, and he gave you his breath. And this tells me that you are closer to God than you think. This tells me that you are more like God than you think. There's more of God in you than you think. There's more of God's nature in you than you realize. In fact, there's nothing else on this planet that comes closer to God in nature than you. Because he gave his life into you. He put his life in you. That's why, that's why there's nothing else on earth like us. I mean, we have this body that was built and made to sustain, to, to, to live in this planet. But the life that's in us, the mind, the heart, the spirit, that came from God. That came from Almighty God. The grace of God, the peace of God. And this is why I believe this is my approach to ministry, actually. I believe that everybody loves God. And here's why I believe everybody loves God. Because I've never met anybody who has experienced the love of God. I've never met a single person. I've met thousands of people who have come to know God. I've never met a single person who has come to know God, has felt God's peace, God's love, God's compassion, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, and said, no, it's not for me. It's a completely different saying. Different saying. It's, it's like something else for another being. No, every single person who has experienced God's nature and virtue just feels right at home. It just, it connects. So that's why I believe that everybody loves God. Some of us are more aware of it than others, but everybody loves God. So according to Genesis, he formed you. And there was a time where we were, when we gained conscious, when, when humankind gained conscious, we were aware. We were aware of, of God's presence. We were aware. We became aware of his provision, of his love. And man, mankind had perfect harmony with God for a time. And for a time. Actually, scriptures describe, I think it's in the end of chapter 2, that men and women were naked and unashamed. Naked and unashamed. Now think of the freedom in that. Not just physically, okay? Let's go beyond that. Get your mind out of the gutter, Dan. <laughs> 
Think about the freedom in that. And I'm going to come back to this. Naked and unashamed. Unafraid. And then something happened that changed it all. Something happened in us. Something changed things. And if you know the story of, of, of Genesis, you know that the way that, that the, the Bible paints the picture, the way that the, the Bible describes it so that we may understand it, is that a serpent came and, and, and talked to Eve and put a seed in Eve's heart. And this is the thing that happens again and again and again. So I want to bring this up because if we are to have peace with God, we have to learn what causes separation between us and God. If we are to, to know how to have peace with God, we got to know what are the things that come to you again and again. Because this happens to you, what we're about to read. It happens to you every day. We have to learn to identify what causes separation between you and God. And this is for everybody. If you're here and this is your first time in church and you're not really a God person, this is for you. It's for you, me, and the Pope. Okay? Everybody on the earth deals with this. Let's go to the scripture. Genesis verse, uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through, so, sorry, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I'm reading from the ESV version, and it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? There's a lie right there. It's not what he said. He said one tree. They could do anything but that one thing. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it. God didn't say that. Lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of, when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it, had, it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Loincloths. I was going through uh, this passage uh, yesterday, and I thought in my mind that it would be funny to make you guys repeat loincloths, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I just wanted to bring that word back, you know, loincloths. I'm sorry. That's awkward. <laughs> you will be like God. You will be like God. Out of that whole conversation, the goal of the serpent was to put that seed in Eve's heart. And this is the one thing that you and I will deal with day in and day out. That was a seed of pride. That was a seed of pride that the serpent put in Eve's heart. Because pride is that thing that causes us to fall every time. Pride is the chief sin. Pride is the main thing that causes us to do other things. Pride is the thing that got into Eve's heart. It was the main cause of separation. Now, this is why it's important and imperative that you and I learn how to identify pride in our lives. That you and I learn how to identify because pride is the thing that will cause separation between you and God. And this is for every single one of us. Okay? Just let me make this clear here. 
all of us deal with this. None of us are free from it. If you think that you don't have to deal with pride, that's when you have to be more careful. Because all of us deal with pride. It's a human condition. There's always that seed that the enemy will sow, saying, hey, you can be like God. And this applies in different areas. So I'm going to go through with you in the next few minutes three ways to identify pride. I'm going to get practical here now. Three ways to identify pride and three ways to get rid of pride. All right? Three ways to identify pride and three ways to get rid of pride. You will be like God, the serpent said. You will be like God. One of the ways to look at that is this. Pride will cause competition. Competition is an essence of pride, C.S. Lewis said once. Competition is the essence of pride. Now, I'm not talking about silly competition. I'm not talking about sports competition. Like My wife and I are very competitive, but we're competitive on silly things. We're competitive on things like who's taller, who's younger. It's going to take a couple weeks for her to be able to get back at me. We're competitive on silly things, but she knows. She knows I will die for her. She knows I will do everything to see her giftings come to light. She knows that I'll do everything to see her succeed. She knows that I'll do everything in my power not to let her give up. She knows. She knows that I will praise her to the day I die. And I can count on her to do the same for me. She knows that, that we're for each other. I'm not talking about the silly competition of, you know, I'm better than you because, you know, whatever. I'm talking about that competition that is innate to pride. See, here's, here's one of the ways that you can identify pride in your life. And please just take this to you, okay? Don't take notes and go like, I'm going to tell that person right now. <laughs> just take it to yourself. Apply this to yourself. All right? Pride is competitive in essence. See, a proud person doesn't want to be wealthy. A proud person doesn't want to be good looking. A proud person doesn't want to be powerful. A proud person doesn't want to be good or strong. A proud person wants to be wealthier. A proud, a proud person wants to be better looking. A proud person wants to be stronger, more powerful than somebody else. The main element of pride is competition. is you comparing yourself to somebody else and measuring how you come out. It makes you want to be better than someone else. Smarter than someone else and measure yourself that way that is the essence of pride and like I said we all deal with these feelings we all battle pride it's not a matter of of whether we are battling with pride it's a matter of how much pride are you are we dealing with really in our lives and we got to get rid of that because this is what pride will do in your in our relationship with God pride will cause your relationship with God to be about the competition because you will measure God's goodness in your life comparative to how God is good to somebody else. You will look at somebody else and say, God is blessing them. God must not care about me very much. Or when God blesses you, you might think, whoa, 
I must be better than somebody else. God's performance will be weighed on how we stand compared to others if we have pride in our hearts. And that's a bad way to have a relationship with God. So we got to get rid of that competitiveness. Very close to it is the second thing that you can identify pride with. And that is conceit. The other C, conceit. Try to get C words so you can remember it easier. Competition and conceit. Pride, pride will cause you to be conceited. And there's two things, two effects of, of conceit in your life that can happen. The first one is, I don't really need God. I will be like God, right? You will be like God. I don't really need God. I'm good. I'm good by myself. I'm good on my own. I can do this by myself. I can be by myself. I don't need anybody else. I don't need anybody else to help me. It's all about me. And it's all about what I want. Pride will do will do that. Pride will cause you, cause you to be conceited in that way where you're, you're doing it all by yourself, man. And at the end, that's all that it will be, just you by yourself. And the other effect of conceit is this. Pride will cause you to think that you are entitled to God's blessings because of how good you are. So if you haven't done some of the bad things that the person next to you has done, then you must be entitled to more from God because look at me, God, I am pretty good. In fact, how blessed are you, God, that I'm here this morning? <laughs> how good for you, God, that I'm giving you my praise. Look at how great I am. Pride causes conceit. And the third thing that we can identify in our lives is that pride will cause confusion. You will be like God. You will be like God. This is another confusing element. This is why it causes confusion. Because the serpent said, you will be like God. The serpent looks at Eve and said, you will be like God. Here's the thing we need to learn. The enemy is great at offering us things that we already have. The enemy is great to, at offering things that we already have. At telling us that we should be what we already have. What we already are. The enemy is great at looking at you and, and, and asking you to be who you already are. So he did to Eve. Remember, God made her in his likeness. He formed her in his likeness. He formed Adam in his likeness. And the enemy comes in and paints a, pi paints a picture. Diverts the conversation with questions of, oh, you can't eat of anything? All right. You can't do anything? All right. You can't go there? All right. Then listen, you could be like God. In other words, you could set your own rules. You could be like God. Confusion. Oh, wait. Who, I'm, I'm, what? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I guess I want to. And all along, you've, you already were. And this continues to happen today. This continues to happen today in our world, in our families, in our, in our relationships. Honestly, this is how affairs happen. You know, it's a, it's a whisper from the enemy saying, hey, you know what you need? You need real love. You know what you need? You need somebody who gives you attention. You need somebody who will take care of you. But you already have all that in your house. You already that, you have all that in your relationship. All you need to do is resolve the conflict. Resolve the problem. You already have somebody who loves you with all their heart. 
But the enemy offers you what you already have to make you think that you don't have it. That's the greatest lie of the enemy. It's to tell you that you are not like God when you already are like God. It's to tell you that God has nothing to do with you when he is knocking on your heart and calling you to himself. And to tell you that you are completely different and apart from God when he gave you of his breath, of his life, of his love, offering you what you already have and make you think that you don't have what you already have is the enemy's prime strategy. Pride will cause confusion. What, did, what did, did Eve say? Good for food. The fruit is good for food. And it was a delight to her eyes. And the tree was desired to make someone wise. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't anything like that at all. In fact, they lost wisdom. It was not good. And they began to see things differently. It affected their vision. Every single thing that she saw was the opposite. And this is how things start to go downhill in our lives. This is how, like I said, affairs start, embezzlement start, betrayal starts, a load of bad things start like this. With us looking at it, listening to that whisper, and, and, and thinking, oh, that might be a good thing for me to do that. It's not. And what, what is that? That's pride. Blinded by pride, we can see the good in what is bad. Now, I've given you the three ways to identify pride, identify pride. I give you the three ways to get rid of it, okay? Are we ready for it? I hope you're thinking about it. That's why it's so quiet. I'm going to press some buttons, okay? I've already done the worst, okay? So now it's smooth sailing. You can, you can breathe. <sighs> the first way. Once you've identified pride in your life, once you've gone through the moment where a light bulb went off and you go like, wait a minute, that's pride in my life. Wait a minute, am I, am I trying to compete? Wait a minute, am I, am I posting this selfie because I want to be better then and, and <laughs> better looking then and, and, and trying to, is this what it is? This is the first thing you do. You come to Jesus. You come to Jesus. And if you're not a church person here today, and if you're not very much, uh, you don't really know how to do that or what to do that, listen to Jesus' invitation. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. I'm reading from the NIV version. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and what? Humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. Listen. When you begin to follow Jesus' way of life. When you begin to say, Jesus, I will come to you with my heart. Jesus, I'm not going to run away from you. Here's my heart. There's some pride in it. We exchange. There's an exchange that happens. You give him your heart. You give him your burden. Because what? Pride is burdensome. Pride is a burden that we're not meant to bear. And you give him your pride. You give him uh, your weary heart, and he gives you his burden of gentleness and humility. And what will gentleness and humility do in your life? It will usher in rest, peace. You will find rest for your souls. You will find peace in your heart. And some of you, you just need to come to Jesus, man. 
You've been wrestling and battling and pushing and tugging and you're trying to do things your own way, probably blinded by this pride that's trying to take over your heart. And you just need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I surrender this to you. I don't surrender the situation. I surrender my heart to you. I want to see the, diff, the, the change. I want to see the win. I want to see my life move forward. I'm not giving up. I'm simply giving my heart to you and taking on, taking upon myself your yoke, your way of life. And you will see his gentleness and his humility lead you to peace. The second way, I'm going to get through these, okay? Second way is very simple. Resist the enemy. Resist the enemy. If Eve had resisted the enemy, we would have been reading a different story. All you need to do is resist the enemy. Once you've come to Christ, you resist the enemy. This is what the scriptures say in James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, the enemy will always try to get into your heart and your mind and your life through pride. Why? Because he knows that God opposes, the, opposes pride. When the enemy wants to cause division between you and God, just watch. It's pride. Pride is the seed of division and separation between you and God. So how do we resist the, the, the enemy? We submit to God. We submit our hearts to God. We submit our lives to God. We come humble before God in humility. Submission to God, let me make this clear. Submission to God is not you making yourself small before God. Because if you have to say, make yourself small before your God, He's not a very great God, is He? If you have to, to, to diminish yourself before God, He's not a really big God. Submission to God is recognizing how big and how great He is, how marvelous His love is, how great His mercy is, how amazing His grace is, and knowing that in comparison, we are small. Our minds cannot reach. We are not. Our, our, our response is none other. Our only response is to come with humility and to submit to God. And the third thing, and the band can come up. The third thing that will help you get rid of pride is this. Worship. Worship God. Every time pride comes into your heart trying to cause separation between you and God, worship. Put on a CD. If you don't have a CD, play a band in your head. Sing. Tell God how you feel about Him. Tell God what, what you what you. Or magnify him in your life. Make him great in your life. Tell him, God, you're awesome. You're, you're wonderful. I invite you into this situation in my life. And I give you control. I surrender my life to you. You are, I'm yours. And you are mine. And you worship God. See, the enemy's prime, prime goal is to take away the worship that was due to God, that is due to God in our life from him. And he doesn't care if you worship him. The enemy doesn't care if you worship him or not. As long as you don't worship God. You can worship anything else. Yourself, possessions, anything else. As long as it's not God. That's why we got to keep this 
strong in our hearts. Got to worship God. John 4 says that God is looking for worshipers. Worships, worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirited in truth. What's another way to see that? What, what's another way to put that? Naked and unafraid. Naked and unashamed. He wants us to go back to that garden where we are completely, completely in his presence. Unaware of anything else but him in our lives. And in that, find ourselves complete. To lift him up. That was the announcement. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. The angels praised when Jesus' was in, birth was announced. Glory to God in the highest. And what's the result of that? Peace on earth. When you worship God, you invite his peace into your heart. When you worship God, when you give him your heart, when you submit yourself to him, his peace will come into your life. And you will have peace with God. With God. And I'll tell you this, guys. When you have harmony with God in the inner parts of your soul and your heart, when you have harmony with God in your mind, in your spirit, every single battle you go through, every single turmoil outside will not affect the core of your life. It'll try to come in, but you will have these walls, these good protection walls that will not allow those things to come into your heart. And that is coming to Jesus. Humility before God, submitting yourself to God and resisting the enemy and worship. If you do those things, you will see your life soar and your heart be connected to God. I went with this thought because I don't want you to forget this. I don't want you to forget that you were made in God's likeness. And if you will remember anything from this message, remember this, that you were made in God's likeness and you are more like God than anything else in this planet. Whenever the enemy tries to whisper and say, hey, you can be like God, which really means you can do life on your own. You don't need all this God thing and this. It's a trap. It's a trap. Every thought that comes against you to say that you are not like God, it's a trap. Because the seed of animosity between people and God is the lie that we are nothing like Him. We were made in His likeness. In fact, I think they said that the closest thing to a human is an ape, right? I challenge you to go to a zoo and spend an hour just watching an ape. Do it. Just watch him. Okay? And then put aside the fact that they have limbs like us and their body structure is similar. And then step outside and go check out a lion, a reptile. And make the conclusion for yourself. Is the ape closest to the lion and the, and the reptile? Or is it closest to you in action and attitude and consciousness? There's nothing on this planet that comes close to the kind of being that you are. Because you were made in the likeness of God. We are not meant to live apart from God. When that unity between men and God is broken, when, that, when there's a separation between us and God, we feel like an island in this planet. And some of you, you felt like that before. You felt disconnected from everything and anything 
in this planet. You felt like you're just all alone. Living in a house full of people and all alone. Walking down the street in a crowded place all alone. Why? Because you're apart from God. God is the thing that connects us to everything else. Because he's the one who created us all. And I want to encourage you today to have this conviction on the inside. Every time you go through something, know that you can count on your heavenly father. Because he is for you. Because he formed you. Because he wants you to get through. He wants you to grow. He wants you to know that you are just like him. Because you are his child. And he loves you so, so much. Do you receive it this morning? Why don't you stand? Yes.